I got to tell you at some point, my brush with famous artists, like recording artists, okay. one of them was in Philadelphia. All right. And I bet you you have crossed this guy's path somehow. He's the last guy in the world that <laughs> that you would think would approach somebody because he doesn't want to be embarrassed. Go up and, uh, hey, aren't you? Uh-huh. And I should learn my lesson. Every le- time he does it. I, he won't leave him alone. You know, because I end up, I'm so excited to see the person that I do something really yeah. stupid. Are we doing the show now? Because this is good. Yeah. <laughs> the following is a Tony Lozano podcast and Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is back to you. Yes, it is. With Howard Sudbury. And, and me, Baskerville, Steve Baskerville. You said that with such excitement, you scare me every time you do that. Yeah, I'm not that I mean, excited you always make if me you feel, want to know the truth. Well, but you say it. It's in your voice, and you and you scare me into loudness. Yes. I'd get yeah. you screaming, too. Yeah. You know, that reminds me. Uh, we always go back in the old days, don't we? Well, those are the only days I have now. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just memories. My old days. Gene well Siskel, the, uh, our buddy that uh, left us too soon, uh, used to stand behind the camera when I was on, and he would put his hands over his ears, and he would point yes. that you've got a yes. microphone because yeah. he thought I was talking. Why are you yelling? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you there's some guys the who would... And if I had done that when Gene was on, right? Oh, he he'd been annoyed. Fit. He would have yes. been angry. You yeah. know, there's some performers who get on and feel they have to just yell across the room and you're sitting right beside them yes i was never a yeller like that right no i never wanted anybody to hear my message so (laughs) okay and it's going to be boring tonight so i didn't want them to know i guess the point of this is that you're calling me a yeller because the way i read that well yes that was your usual fervor with getting into this you know i'm a little nervous today and i'm not generally nervous on a podcast or on any kind of a broadcast but we and i won't say who it is yet but yeah. we have a true radio professional hall of famer a legend on this program and today. i am look, and we I know have, nothing about radio no but no i podcasts. know how but we know how to enjoy it we yes. know how to appreciate those who've been around a long time and and I'm just as excited. I was yelling at the man earlier. He was saying, why are you yelling? I said, Howard got me excited when you said you'd be here. So uh, I hope he's in better shape after I was screaming screaming in his ear with excitement. And I hope he doesn't Look, think that we're actually introducing him yet because I've got, I've, got, I've got more here. I want to know, have you recovered yet? My daughter got married last weekend. Last weekend... Oh, big time wedding and reception. Uh, you know, uh, the thing that I want to ask you is, were you impressed, excited, uh, embarrassed for me? Uh, Why would you uh, say that? No, no, wait. No, at this point, what I'm going to bring up, when you saw me dance with her, we did Your this dance. elaborate to me, it was an elaborate sort of routine. To her, it was just, you know, here's something for dad. hope he gets through it. But... When you saw that, and you saw how, what was your reaction? I turned my back. No, you didn't. No. I was so impressed. (laughs) It was unbelievable. (laughs) I don't know how you learned it. Now, I know that your daughter is a, uh, 
dance yeah, teacher? Yeah, she teaches dance so and I choreography. I don't know how so you she's learned really into it. I don't know how you learned the moves. No, she, it took it was really it took impressive. about three or four rehearsals. It wasn't the most elaborate thing you'd see on the internet because they always have these father daughter dance things together. It was not like that, but it was enough to show that we put something extra into it. But that that's not what scared me the most. What scared me was the actual wedding. I had two goals. One, do not step on her dress as you're walking down the aisle. Yes. And two, do not trip as you step on the dress as you're walking down the aisle. And after accomplishing that, I felt I could do anything. So I think that that's the moment that walking down the aisle, I don't know why my legs were shaking and like the scarecrow sure. and Oz walking. I couldn't, I, you know, I wanted that to be right because it's a slow sort of stroll and everybody's watching. Well, you did real you, well. You had a smile on your face yes. and didn't get emotional. So it was, I was, well, you did a great job. I loved it. Love the fact that it's family and friends are all gathered, and she was happy, and the groom's happy, uh, and and, um, and they're still at your house. Yes, they were there the, <laughs> the next day. You know, they somebody never, said everything changes now. So no, nothing's yeah, going to change. They, they never They'll go be, away. She'll be over tomorrow. She'll be over the next day. Um, so, yeah. Can I read a mean tweet? Yeah, let's bring it down Jimmy a Kimmel little bit. Does them. Yeah, yeah, why don't we bring she, it on let's down? Let's go from the wedding to a mean tweet. Yeah. Well, why not? As we've explained on this show, I work uh, at Arlington International Racecourse, the thoroughbred racetrack in Chicago, and I'm on the management team, but I'm also kind of the face because I'm on TV out there all the time. So people think I make all the decisions. So a guy, I like to spar with people on Twitter. Are you on Twitter? No. I'm not on Twitter. I don't like, I mean, I have a Facebook account. I never get on it. I had written something to a guy who had ripped me and he came back with the words of a dinosaur in his twilight. At least you seem to somewhat know you're doing a lousy job. I suggest you retire and save yourself the embarrassment of being fired. Hmm. And pointing out that you're dead weight doesn't make me miserable. Hmm. It's simply the truth. Now, I love what, that. What part did he get wrong? <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that's why you need to get on Twitter. All right. Um, we we had a guest, but he's left. Um, <laughs> he's heard enough. <laughs> uh, his, his name is John Records Landecker. He is a Chicago legend, and I want to tell him that there were two people that were really the inspiration for me getting into broadcasting because I wanted to be a rock and roll disc jockey. Not just anywhere, but on WLS, the Big 89. Mm-hmm. And they were Larry Lujak, and they were John Records Landecker. Wow. So that's why I'm kind of nervous today. Uh, I, wa- I want to read something about when John, he worked at WLS-FM. Sure. Yeah. It was his last job, I believe. Yeah. And he said, I quit. I'm not retired. And on retired, he said, people use the re- word retire. I don't, at least not yet. I say things like, my biological grandfather clock is ticking. It's time to go and see if those things, if any of those things that I've claimed to want to try for years are really things that I want to try. Now, I say that because you've retired, I love that. I think John, that's terrific. Uh, the, John, really. welcome to the program. Well, thank you. And have you tried, was that the longest introduction in history? No. Uh, no, but I, I, 
when you're as old as I, well, as I am and as I was, what is that, five or six years ago that I left? Uh, circumstances, situations, the way corporations were running radio stations, the rules that were around executing the format had taken away. All the air was out of the balloon as far as I was concerned. Uh -huh. And I thought, well, now, if, if not now, then when? So right. I quit, although I knew that the retired word was going to get thrown out there because I guess nobody quits, mm -hmm. but that's what I did. And um, I tried and am trying some of those things. Yeah, what I, are they? Well, one of them was writing a screenplay. The other, as it turned out, was acting. And that's about it. But those are two of the things that I thought I'd give a shot at, and I have and did and still am doing. Good. Yeah. That's what I tell Steve all the time. They said he retired. I said he quit. I felt the same way. I felt like, you know, I still have a lot of life in me right. for for doing whatever. Absolutely. And just because and, and retired didn't to me uh, seemed like an old folks word in the sense of everybody that I always knew who retired did absolutely nothing. Right. And I think that's what most people think when they hear the word retire. Well, they don't the, even think you're going to do something like this. Well, I think society retire. sort of has built the infrastructure that that's what they want you to do is get out of the way. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it may happen for well, some people, but I'm not ready to get out of the way. So Well, no, just I'm still in the way. When you <laughs> Well, well, here's the other thing too. I reached a point almost sounds like what you were talking about where for me, I almost felt like I was in the 10,000th performance of Cats. And the anchors are pretty right. The role of anchor tonight will be. I mean, I had seen a lot, I had done a lot, I had felt like that way of performing I had reached the top of the glass with it right. and I, I and I felt like while I have energy to do other things exactly. or to try other things why not take that energy and do something else I don't know what it is yet I still don't know what it is right. but it's fun uh, exploring that exactly it so might, I, nothing it, wrong with it it might be this it could be. It could be. Except that when you guys go and it's just me and a microphone in the dark, I wonder, <laughs> why, well, where did everybody go? Then it'll be your show. Look, I just want to say to John, <clears throat> two things. First of all, uh, when that role comes up for the handsome, black, mature, um, mustachioed man, <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> that uh, I've got uh, plenty headshots? of... Headshots? Yeah, yeah I've headshots. got headshots. I've got it all. <laughs> I've got wallet size. I can tell you where to go on the internet. Just keep that in mind. I right? will. Yeah. Now, I... Uh, uh, now, do you remember... I'm, uh, there are a lot of things I want you to remember today that have to do with me, because I get very selfish sometimes right, of course. with this. Yeah. Uh, see, Howard and I. I probably do remember whatever this is going to be. <laughs> well, uh, w uh, working out in the gym... Yes. My last... The, the way that I would see you, more often than not, would be as you were leaving uh, your work and before I was going to mine, exactly. going to the gym, right. working out. Right. And I must tell you, you look totally different uh, dressed like this as opposed to a <laughs> towel around your waist. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> well, I was doing mornings. Yeah. So I'd go over and work out after I got out the air and you guys wouldn't be going on television until, what, yeah. four? Yeah. At yeah, the earliest, yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah. So... The intersect it was an intersection of schedules. Now, here's the thing. Um, I would do that before I'd go to... How, would, how did you have enough... Inter no, when you finished a shift, yeah. when, you, uh, when you were done, were you, you weren't exhausted? 
did you have a, I mean, did you feel like your day was beginning? How did that work? Because you were mornings, right? Yeah, I was mornings. Um, well, it's hard not to feel some sort of fatigue, I think, when you're doing a morning show. Yeah. Uh, which starts at like 5.30 a.m. So, yeah, but it wasn't like I was jumping up and down with a bunch of energy. It was just something that I had sort of had to do yeah. a bunch of, with a bunch of other things. Mornings is a weird time. So yes. trying to make it normal is, a, I think, a, a futile as an exercise in futility, if you will. So, well, yeah, I'd go work out afterwards, and I did some other stuff. We do 45, 50 minutes on this, and you have to stay focused. And it, it amazes me now, and I have a greater respect for people that do four- or five-hour radio shifts, though. Yeah. Because it does take energy. Oh, yeah. So that does tire you out. Yes, it does. You're bringing your best. Mentally, it does tire you out. And then if you... Extend if you expend enough mental energy, then it sort of transfers to a physical manifestation too. But it is. Um, it also depends on who you're working with, what kind of chemistry there is in the studio, how well you think things went, what kind of pressure you're getting from management. All of those things play into what's going on. Yeah. What was it like working at WLS, the Big Eighty Nine, when when you knew when you played a record that. You know that record could you could you were a hit maker that station. Well, that was you, not allowed. We the we were not hit makers. We were the last people in the world to play a hit. Well, the disc jockey, but I mean by the by by even the, the fact station. that you were really yeah. I got, thought that if a song got on WLS, that it had a great chance to take off. Well, if a song got on WLS at that time, more than likely it had taken off in smaller towns around the country. Oh, okay. Because stations such as WLS, which at that time was owned by the ABC network, yeah. had really strict payola rules and regulations. And you had to sign, I think we had to sign a monthly affidavit that uh, we had not received any outside <clears throat> remuneration or whatever, but it wasn't up to the people that were on the air to pick the music anyway. Mm -hmm. That was the program director and the music director, and that's the way it always was. Because um, that's almost like those old days of Alan Freed and well, though Alan, those days did have some nefarious payments yeah, going yeah. on. Um, ask Dennis DeYoung sometime from Styx about trying to get a record on WLS. Mm. We were yeah. like the last people in the world to play Styx records. Really? And they're a hometown uh, band. Uh -huh. Or REO Speedwagon. Um, but wouldn't they trust the fact that these guys are trick. Hit, hit makers? Uh -uh. Nope. Really? Mm -mm. No. Not then. Yeah. Uh-uh. <laughs> That's why the songs repeated yeah. over and over and yeah. over and well, over and over yeah. and over right. and over and over and over again. Now, have you ever done an interview without anybody asking you, uh, is records truly your middle name and about your famous daughter in the last 15 years? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you want me to answer them now, or what, what's the... Uh well, I'd like to know the records. That's my mother's story. maiden name. It is. Marjorie Victoria Records. That is really... That's yeah, fantastic. and my grandfather was William Fabulous. J. Records. Yeah. Uh, he lived in a farm in Hopewell, Indiana, which is 
uh, outside of Franklin, which is about 20 miles south of Indianapolis. Uh, it's on my birth certificate. John Records Landecker. Never thought about um, incorporating it uh, until I was in college and I was going to school uh, at Grand Valley State University on the uh, near Grand Rapids. And we picked up Chicago radio stations because it just boomed across <clears throat> the lake. And my favorite station was WCFL. And at that time, WCFL, everybody on the air had a thing. It was Barney Pip, but he had Barney Pip's people. It was Dick Williamson, but he had Williamson's World. It was Jim Stagg, but he had the Stagg line. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying to myself, well, do I have anything that I could add? And I would, must have been filling out some sort of form for class or who knows, whatever, and had to write my middle name down. And as I was writing it, I realized that, well, how about that? <laughs> My middle name has been and always will be records. But if I say it on the air in the context of being a disc jockey, it'll be a bit. Es right. Especially right. in a business where people are told over and over again to change their oh, name. Yeah. yeah. Here well, you that are happened to me, too, prior to getting to uh, Chicago. Um, I was hired by a radio station in Philadelphia. <clears throat> and when I got there, they changed my name to Scott Walker. Really? Yeah. So I worked under that name for about, oh, maybe 10 months. And then the station was sold and the uh, programmer was let go. And the new people came in and I went back on <clears throat> as John Records Landecker. Now, when the transition was happening, the program director who was on the way out called me over to his apartment and he said, hey, Scott, hmm. what do you want to do next? And I said, well, I'd like to go back on the air as John Records Landecker. And he says, you know, I don't think you're going to be successful using that name. Why don't you go to a, <laughs> why don't you go to a medium market and get it out of your system? <laughs> you know, let me tell you what was told to me by one of these know-it-all guys in charge. He said, you'll never make it in the yeah. business, period, if you don't, first of all, shave your mustache. And secondly, change your name. Like, how about Bass? What? Steve Bass. He said, nobody will ever say Baskerville. Why not? Oh, it's just too long <clears throat> and complicated. Well, how do you think Landecker is? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I said, well, I'm going to start using my middle name, which is Stephen Landecker Baskerville. <laughs> how so about that? Well, one, one afternoon from noon to three, I was Scott Walker. The next night, I came back from 10 to 2 at night as uh, John Records Landecker, and I went on and ripped yeah. Scott Walker a new one. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I got a few calls. How dare you? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> no, so, Asher, it, look, look, if you've ever been in, in central Illinois in the 80s, did you ever uh, hear about this guy named Tom Howard? He was fantastic. What a radio personality, this Tom Howard. Oh, Tom guy. Howard. No, yeah, I'm yeah, afraid. Yeah. I missed that. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry yeah. about that. Yes. Uh, but, uh, wait, wait, wait. One, another, just go. one little amendment. So I get out of the station in Philadelphia and I hired at WLS. And the first thing the guy tells me is you can't use the middle name. Mm. Really? Mm -hmm. So I don't know how many months it was after that he was fired. And so in the interim, I just started using it again. But yeah, it not been universally welcomed, even though it's my name. But I thought it would be over. You know, I thought I'd do it as a bit, haha, isn't that ironic? Then people would find out and that'd be the end of it. Yeah. No. There's a radio convention in Chicago last week, and a guy who does a Detroit morning show 
invited me to dinner. And his producer is, come on, records isn't your <laughs> yeah. middle name, is it? <laughs> I, Shut up, you 25-year-old twit. You want to put some money on that? <laughs> Here's the thing. I was told the wisest thing like a, an agent ever told me was that uh, you got to realize that these guys in charge, these new managers and GMs and uh, program directors are the visitors. You're the one who's rooted there. Okay, so remember you guys when Channel 2 was like hot and you were on and you were on and you had uh, Bill and Walter yeah. and uh, Johnny Morris and, um, come on, Gene Siskel. Sure. Am I leaving anybody out? Uh, well, I mean, a lot of the reporters were well known. Yeah, Bulldog but I mean the Drummond. core group. You no, would that turn on that. Core. You would turn yeah. on Channel Two, yeah. not only to get the information, but also to see the camaraderie and the vibe and the yes. energy. Well, that's exactly what it was like at WLS in 1976. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Sure. And that once that goes, yeah, it really goes. You just cannot manufacture that. You're right. Everybody watched you guys. Yeah. Come on. Sure. I and mean, everybody I knew. And we had, uh, let me go back to this. Uh, he threw that Tom Howard thing out there so people know what we're talking about. I, I walked around out here. We're in the National Radio, Radio. Hall of Fame. Which museum. You're a museum. <laughs> museum. <you're, laughs> and I found your picture out there. Yeah. I have not yet seen a Tom Howard out there. I, I don't think you I, I think you could search far and wide and all through the building. I did. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, when I was a kid, about 18, I got a job in Peoria, WMBD. It was AMFM TV. Mm -hmm. And the... Program director, I did an audition, and just, hey, he had me read some copy. I was awful, and uh, I've told the story on here, and the disc jockey was listening in the other room, and he walked by, and he said, uh, that's okay, kid, you'll get better. Anyway, the guy called me, or hired me, and he said, you're going to be Tom Howard. Mm -hmm. So I was Tom Howard while right. I worked there in Peoria, and right. then I went to Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and TV, and they'll say, they said, you'll be Howard Sudbury, which you're talking about your names being long. Howard Sudbury's not, there were only two that I know of, my dad and I, mm -hmm. uh, but it was kind of a memorable name, so that helped, that helped sure. me in my career. Well, that was a good idea, I think, getting into television. <laughs> you mean after, after hearing this no, podcast? No, no, no. I just mean in general. <laughs> yeah. Just in general. You know, here's the thing about radio that I've always appreciated. And just in thinking about you being here today and why, why I like it. Um, you know, radio, you've had circumstances where you, you, you can, the music you're playing as you're on the air may be going out to a bunch of uh, people partying together or 50 folks or so or even more than that just just i mean just at the moment right or at the same time there could be somebody in just this room listening to you at intimate and at the same time going out and um, filling the requirements right. to talk to a whole load of people and there's a quality about it you just can't Establish that in TV. I mean, there's, I think you can get more intimate with a radio host, a radio performer, your 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 favorite DJ. I think you get paid more as a TV person, though, a lot more. Really, you would. Yeah. Think, now, I would think that you uh, radio uh -uh. records guys. <laughs> no. Uh -uh. Well, Back sure. In I mean, seventies when yeah, Rodney I mean, nobody was, was nobody was heyday. nobody was starving. I'm not. Yeah, don't right, get me wrong. Sure. But um, I didn't get into 
uh, radio so I could make my goal was not to make money. Right. I just got into it because I really liked it. Mm -hmm. And I think you're right to the certain extent that people uh, feel more intimate with uh, radio if that is the approach of that radio station. But that sort of uh, that that uh, relationship, I think, has dwindled over the years because of um, consolidation and automation and something called voice tracking mm -hmm. and. There's no way that a, a computer is going to have that same kind of uh, relationship with it's a listener in, in, in the way that you're in the way that you're referring yeah, to. Yeah. yeah. And these satellite radio networks don't have the same feeling. No, I, I don't think so. No. Some some hosts do, yeah. um, but that's just their talent yeah. in the way they. Uh, Present what they're doing. All right, let me let me bring this up real quick before I forget it. See, we forget a lot, John, on yeah, the show. I know what you mean. And then you suddenly you're talking about tires or <laughs> you know what you got at the mall, and you don't know how you got there, right? Before but, you do this, because before the end of this show, he's going to tell that Tom Howard story again. All right, in the same show. <laughs> oh yeah, he's claiming that I'll forget that I brought it oh, up. Oh, I see. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a funny Going man. He's a real thing. funny man. Well, he yeah. thinks he's funny. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, well, anyway, let's go back to Philadelphia before you started here in Chicago. Yes. And uh, wh where I worked briefly, Dick Clark used to do his he show. He sure did. And down on Forty Sixth Street yep. near Market, uh, uh, W H Y Y. But right. well, anyway, I was working long after. He was doing the regular show, but he'd have reunion shows. Yes. Okay. So I'm at one of the, I'm sort of standing in the background, watching the show, uh, you know, as it was being, uh, as it was starting, and and the, and the the kids from way back when were coming back to dance and whatnot. Uh, so I, uh, there's an artist that comes up, and I'm really excited. The guy is has got and a, a white sort of Elvis jumpsuit on. Okay. And uh, some cool sunglasses, and he's kind of uh, grooming his hair. And the guy's name was Jackie Wilson. Yeah, remember Jackie Wilson? Absolutely. Right? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, my heart keeps crying. Lonely teardrops. Higher and higher. Higher and higher. That's right. Uh, anyway, um, uh, come on. Um, uh, there's a song called Jackie Wilson said by who's the guy that does Moon Dance? Come on, I'm having a brain fart. Uh, Caravan uh, is on it. Uh, Van, Van, Van Morrison. Van Morrison. Yes. Van Morrison had a show called Jackie Wilson said. You know what you just did? What? You, you looked at me like I just thought of it, right? You know, Samuel whispered that oh, in my ear. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> well, so I wasn't any better. Yeah, okay. so that's the impact yeah. that Jackie Wilson had. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, well, let, oh, me well. Tell you, let me tell you what happened with Jackie Wilson. Okay. All right, so Jackie Wilson says, hey, how's everybody doing? And like two or three of us, this was, you know, uh, Jackie was still performing near the end of his career. Right. Long career. He was like a cool, he was like a cooler James Brown to me, where his voice was silkier, but he'd do splits. Sure. And moves and, and dance and get an audience excited, right? Right. Especially the ladies, because he was... A really ladies' man as a performer. Uh, but anyway, he's standing in the hall, and he had a hot voice like that. 
and he's like, "How's that? How y'all doing?" And the two or three of us are gathered around him, and Jackie's telling. And then I'm, and then when I was backstage with her, you know, he's telling all these stories. <laughs> and then I went over here, and Dick Clark has got the show going. The show's on the air, and we're backstage listening to Jackie Wilson stories. As and you can hear, ladies and gentlemen, let's bring him out one more. And then, and then when I went to Camden, and I'm like, <laughs> Jack, and I'm getting nervous because he's leading the one and. Only Mr. Lonely Tear, Jackie Wilson. And, J- and he had a cigarette. And as he heard his name, he looked at me and he said, Hey, would you put this out for me, brother? <laughs> and he gave me his cigarette. And, and you I still left, have it. I, yes. <laughs> I, <laughs> I let that cigarette burn down to my finger. You bet. <laughs> I was not, I was going to hold it for him, whether it took, you know, 10 minutes later or 10 years later. Sure. But Jackie Wilson, do you know how much mileage I got out of Jackie Wilson's cigarette? I get it, totally. Now, were you... Were you ever that impressed by? You have met countless celebrities and performers. Yeah. And major. Yeah, yeah. Did yeah. anybody ever make you go, "My goodness, I can't believe I'm actually standing here talking to this person"? I mean, were, were you were you struck that way by being in the presence of rock royalty or? Um. No, uh, I, no, I, I did not have an, uh, a situation where well, you I can't believe I'm in the same presence of so-and-so, to be honest. Um, now, did, did, now, you have been but around. I've had instances where I've been interviewing people, mm-hmm. and I've had moments where... I was, what's the uh, ecstatic over, right. just unbelievably ecstatic about yes. what just happened. I can't believe it. Just <laughs> yes. Happened. yes. That's happened a couple of times. Yeah. Um, now, who was one of those? Well, folks? I was interviewing Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner. <clears throat> it's about the year 2000. I was doing morning show at uh, 104.3, and they were promoting a CD. The 2,000-year-old man in the year 2000. Right. Yeah. And I asked, it was a phone interview, and I said, do you mind if I talk about Blazing Saddles? And, oh, no, let's talk about Blazing Saddles. I said, great. You know that scene where Hedy Lamar goes to the window to get to check on who's being hung downstairs at the guillotine or whatever it was, the hangman, and there's a guy... An old guy sitting in a wheelchair with a noose around his neck. Mm. And Hedy Lamar goes, ah, yes, the Dr. Gillespie killings. And I said, that has to be a reference to Lionel Barrymore in the Dr. Kildare movies in the 30s and 40s. And Mel Brooks says, you know what? No one has ever asked me that question before, <laughs> nice. and you are absolutely right. And I went, what? He said, that movie's been out for 26 years, and <laughs> no one has ever asked me that yes. question. Yes. Well, it was like, you could have... Sure. That was That's my... Wow. I have well, just, you know, touched well, the oracle. It's hard to... Yes. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, now we have to come up with a question that he... John Records Landecker has never been asked, Steve. That puts pressure on us. Good luck. 
Oh, Tony's uh, cheating. I yeah, see. Yeah, no, yeah, he, didn't get, <laughs> he didn't give me a question. This is a great tease because we're going to have time to think about a question because we're going to take a break right now, and we're going to have more with John Records Landecker on Back to You after this. This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. On this week's Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. Torn testicles. <laughs> the brattiest kid ever. Pig semen shampoo. A German who played for the Cubs during World War II. Rick's brush with German. Werner Klemperer. And we go up to Milwaukee to the uh, Bobblehead Museum and Hall of Fame. And we talk to its CEO, Phil Sklar. All that in unlimited tangents on this week's Minutia Men. <laughs> Tony Lasano Podcast, an Opie production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Radiomisfits.com. Hey, this is Tony Lasano, and if you like podcasts, well, I'm the guy that you want to meet. Well, maybe. Maybe, but I have my own called Nude Hippo, the podcast, and I do it with uh, many members of and friends, uh, including Kimmy. Hello. We feature some of the coolest guests like... Brian Cheverini, Ginger Z, Mr. Skin, Tom Dreesen, and so many more. These are like milestone interviews. They're timeless. So this way, you could pick it up at any point. I suggest you start from the beginning. Nude Hippo, the podcast, and Opie Show. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. <laughs> and we're back. This is Back to You with Howard Sudbury and the rest. <laughs> oh, no, you didn't. No, you I didn't. I love it. Back to You with Howard Sudbury and the rest. Yes. You're the rest. It, he's the rest. <laughs> yeah, it's Gilligan's Island. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, Samuel, who was that? Uh, that was the voice of Ron Rolland, the voice of the 10 o'clock news from the 80s. Really? I well, you better tell Ron voice. to get it straight. <laughs> Ron, Ron Rolland. Yeah. yeah well, you, you got his phone number? Because he's going to have to redo that. Howard you, Sudbury and the rest. You thought he was a, you know, he's a smiling, affable guy on TV I doing am. the weather. And then now you know. <laughs> well, now you know. Man, I wish I could remember what I was going to ask John before you and your thousand interruptions. I wish you do too. I uh, and it had to do with um, just situations and and work. Oh, I know what it was. What? You, have you heard? See, <laughs> <laughs> this happens all the time, John. It's this okay. never happened with I you. I can go with it. Your shows were never like this. I mean, where somebody's going, can you, well, what's her name? Is the thing in the world? And what was I thinking of ten minutes ago? But anyway, we're talking about Mel Brooks. And yes. uh, and Carl Reiner. Yeah, I one of the funniest things I've heard in recent times from Mel Brooks about Carl Reiner. He said, "I don't know what show he was on, some TV show." He said, "Have you seen Carl Reiner lately?" And the host said, "No." He said, "Well, he looks like Father Time took him in an alley and beat the hell out of him." <laughs> 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 Which is, I guess, you know, the friendship. For they him to have say a very something close like friendship, yeah. Yeah, I just saw, do you watch the Seinfeld show right now at all, either one of you? The comedians in cars oh, getting uh, coffee? Once in a while? 
Yeah, they just had he had Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner on, Did there, he? and they were fantastic. Were they together? They're close friends. They eat dinner together all the time. Every that night, I part think, of and it. watch Every an old night. movie. Yes. yes. Well, yes. See, wait, wait, wait. So you know, John is in that world now, and I just want to know more. What see, world we just is saw, that? You want no, to know about the wait, Hollywood world? I want to know more about the Hollywood world. Because what can I tell you? Because this man. Because you know, I've gone to Hollywood. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> Screenwriter. Wait, no, tell me about the first of all, uh, the screenplay. That you've written? Well, I res- I resigned, and the screenplay idea I had was about how the Lone Ranger came into existence. Who was responsible? Who was um, shafted by management? If I become aware of a story that I thought was yeah. viable, yeah, in the sense that. Uh, the concept of that character was created in the Depression at a radio station in Detroit out of necessity and that the owner wanted to put on a Western because they were inexpensive to do and would allow a lot of merchandising for young people. And a gentleman was hired named Fran Stryker, who is, by the way, in this Radio Hall of Fame here, and he pretty much created the whole deal. The Lone Ranger, the Ohio Silver, the mm-hmm. Silver Bullets, Tonto, then mm. you know, and then over the years, of course, this thing becomes huge. And a few years ago, there's a new Lone Ranger movie out, and in the credits, there's no reference to Fran Stryker whatsoever. So I was attempting to put together some sort of uh, story as to how that came to be. Uh, then and what transpired between then and this movie. Getting made now, and you and you wrote this as I a did. movie as opposed to a documentary. You're right. talking about. Uh, so at- what I did was go online, yeah. not online. I went on Facebook, yeah. and I loafed this idea out, and I said, "Is there anybody there who might have some information about radio stations in the 1930s?" And I was contacted uh, by a group, or recommended that I contact a group called the uh, SAG. <clears throat> excuse me, SAG AFTRA. Senior Radio Players, which is exactly what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. It's a group of uh, Screen Actors Guild, American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, members who recreate on stage at the Cultural Center live versions of old radio drama. Well, what happened was they asked me to audition for this role of Boston Blackie, and I got it. Really? So... Instead of immediately jumping into some sort of screenplay thing, I'm doing this Boston Blackie show over at the Cultural Center, and then that one that led to another, and then I get a call from um, a former casting director at the Goodman Theater who's going to be out in my neck of the woods, who's going to do a summer stock production of a play called Marvin's Room, and would I like to audition for the part of Dr. Wally? And I said, okay. And then I got that part. And then, um, and so on and so on. And then recently, more recently, I did Sam Spade uh, with the uh, SAG After Players, and we're going to do that again in October, I believe, at the winery. Is that what the place is called Mm -hmm. on Chicago Winery? Something like that. City Winery. City Winery, that's it. Was Sam Spade Spade ever portrayed by Humphrey Bogart? (laughs) 
I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. think so. No, because no. uh-uh. uh, I was. I'm just trying to get you into it was character. A radio. This is a radio drama. Right. You wouldn't see anybody, obviously. Right. So. Um, now that, what you're talking about will be radio or or, or, or performance on stage. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. Uh, everybody's got a mic stand, yeah. and there are. Let's call them organic sound effects people. Yeah. It's like if a door slams, there's an actual small door yeah. on stage that slams. Uh-huh. Uh, and it usually gets a very good crowd over there. It's got to be fun. It yeah. is fun. And uh, then I went to um, California and took some acting classes for about a month and a half uh-huh. and enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, well, let me ask you, what, what, what do they teach you in, in acting classes for a month and a half? What kinds of things can you learn uh, that you maybe didn't know? Like, what are some of the tricks that they would teach you? Well, the, fir- the first um, class I took was a comedy intensive, is the name of it. And it went on for about four weeks. What you learn is how to interpret what's on the page. What's really there? Uh, if certain way, if certain things are constructed in a certain way, what that indicates to you as to how you should deliver what you see there? Mm-hmm. Uh, how to listen? Sure. So that you're not just blurting things out, like um, Howard does here. <laughs> He Could didn't have. want to say that. I know. I He's thought polite. I, I, yeah. 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 Um, Unlike you. And I and I just had a really, really good time. It was very challenging. It was at some points uh, very frustrating. And then at one point, it was unbelievably rewarding. We had this final class, and I was sick all day. I didn't want to go in. We'd had these six-hour classes every Wednesday night from like six to midnight. And we had done, we had had this scene that we were rehearsing. And it was a comedy scene, and um, I'm tired and beat, and I get up there, and this thing starts, and uh, the place went crazy. And um, oh, nice. I'm like, yeah. afterwards, can I swear on this? Afterwards, and I, the instructor is Landecker. What the fuck? Landecker. <laughs> Where'd that come from? What yeah. the fuck, Landecker? Yeah. Okay, now this instructor had also, Amy, my daughter, had taken classes from her. I'm 71 years old. The rest of the people in this class are like 25. Mm-hmm. The scene is something that no one my age would ever be called upon to audition for in this lifetime. Yes. You know, but, but that two react- guys at a bar watching their buddy hit on a woman. Okay, yeah. so but that reaction was to what you got out of it, right? What what you what that what they witnessed, right? Yeah, what you and did then I told it. Amy about it a few days later, and she says, you know, some of the time, sometimes when you're really beat and you're half sick, you just don't even think about mm. what you're doing, and bang, it hits. And that was like, wow, there were even it was that's, it was that's, they had set up a like a stage situation where. They had lights in front of you, and you couldn't see the rest of the class. And so I'm up in front with a guy I'm doing the scene with, and I turned to him, and part of it, I said, did something happen? Because mm-hmm. it was nuts. And he goes, yeah, you're funny. I yeah. said, okay, because I didn't feel funny. But that is And it so seemed like I could warning. say, 
oh, there's a fly on the wall. And I go, oh, my God, yeah. that's yeah. the most hysterical well, thing I've ever heard. You had them. You know, you mentioned early on in the class that you would get a page of script in, mm-hmm. the, in the comedy part. Mm-hmm. Now, and you have to look at it and, and you know, do it how they inter- how they intended for you to interpret it. You're given the, cl- okay. you're given the, the tools to, and do, to do, but, do that. But wouldn't if you're handed that same page and I'm handed that same page couldn't we look at it and interpret it differently play it differently yeah um, is that is that allowed uh, sure as long as the elements of what was supposed to be there are there yeah and if you don't do things in a certain way mm-hmm. some of those things, will not appear. Now, can I tell you, 30 years ago, I took acting lessons in New York, mm-hmm. like 35 years ago. Not as successful with my, the outcome as what you have That's one class. It was one class. No, but, 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 <laughs> no, no, but, well, you know what? That's like saying, I hit that home run yes. and only one, but it was a home run. You know, it's you like golf. One. Yeah. I got, it's like golf. I yeah. hit one good shot every 5,000 shots, <laughs> yeah. and I'll come back. <laughs> right. But you know what, what happened to me in the class? <clears throat> and I took, I don't know, maybe about a half dozen classes. I'd be on stage. Or it was one perfor- uh, sort of a uh, little, and just like you described, the lights. I can't see mm-hmm. who's in the audience, but mm-hmm. they're there. And it's other classmates. And it's a scene from ordinary people. Whoa. Heavy. I'm playing the doctor the psychiatrist doctor yeah. to the kid, kid who comes in and wants to talk Mary to Mary Tyler him. Moore's son. Yes. Um, a terrific movie. Uh, yeah. Robert Redford directed it. Well, it was... Um, the, so so it's a heavy scene, and I'm sitting there with the uh, guy, the, the another guy my age, but he's playing a teenager or whatever. But anyway, we're going, and we're going on for about five minutes or six minutes, and, and, and I'm thinking it's going well, which was probably a mistake right there. <laughs> that might have been a clue right there. And then uh, the, the teacher uh, says, hey, Steve, what are you doing? And I go, uh, well, I'm trying to uh, get him to listen to me as I tell him what I think. But what are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm sort of sitting on the edge of the, of, of the desk and, and waiting for him to respond. But what are you doing? And I said, I'm acting. And he said, that's right. Will you stop acting? <laughs> yeah. Right. No, I get it. It's I, tough absolutely. to stop acting. It's absolutely. It's a great tip. If you see somebody and you say, boy, they're, they're acting, then they're not acting. Yeah. You're not supposed to notice. That's what Tony Lozano was trying to tell Steve and I. Stop podcasting. Start broadcasting. Forget about Start those broadcast. microphones. Just talk. You just talk like we do on the phone. Right. By the way, we are podcasting from the Museum of Broadcast Communications. And this is back to you with Howard Sudbury and the rest. And our guest is, uh, is John Record Slandecker, a radio legend. Uh, John, you mentioned Amy, yeah. your daughter, who is... Uh, a very accomplished actress, and she's on the Amazon show Transparent, and it's ending with a big musical yes, on September twenty seventh. Yep. Now, a lot of people you ask about their their famous children or mm-hmm. whatever. I can tell from you that you're obviously very very proud of what she's accomplished. Absolutely. And 
any of your children of what, yes, what, I, what they do in life. She just happens to be famous. But uh, Right. My other daughter, Tracy, is the lead singer of a punk rock band in uh, Los Angeles called the Walker Brigade. Really? Yep. Nice. Terrific. No, no wait a minute. Walker? It had nothing to do nothing. with Scott Walker. No. Uh, no. Please, no. <laughs> no. So did Amy becoming an actress, did that lead you in that direction? To uh, well, make, make you want to... In the, yes, it did. I didn't realize it was going to be at first. Um, Jill Soloway uh, is from Chicago. She's the creator of Transparent. And um, in their first lunch meeting, Amy and Jill Soloway, Jill Soloway said to Amy, I can't believe I'm having lunch with John Records Landecker's daughter. And so I had a in, if you will, from the get-go uh -huh. of Transparent. Sure. And I've, Amy invited me to a couple of Emmy Awards, and I was with, I've been on the set quite a few times. I was an extra for about three days on a shoot. Uh, I went to the Toronto Film Festival with them. We went to the White House twice. Um, and you see the... Um, camaraderie yeah. and mm -hmm. the uh, chemistry and all of that that we've been talking about and I found that very attractive and Amy told me that acting was the uh, best team sport on earth sure and I liked that because I was I played football and all that stuff in high school and the reason they call it a play is because it's supposed to be fun yes mm -hmm. right so with those two things, I'm like, yeah. Because it sure isn't fun. in radio anymore. Right. No matter how hard I yeah. try to did, make did it you, so. Did you learn more about yourself from delving into this acting world? Things you may have learned about you that you are glad you tapped into, that you didn't have a chance to, you know, to use earlier Well, certainly uh, things that you were not called upon to reference when you're on the radio but yeah there were instances after not in, not so much in the um comedy intensive but the class that came afterwards there were dramatic scenes violent scenes you know guns mm -hmm. the whole mm -hmm. i mean um there were instances where I realized that if I was going to actually do something here about this, I was going to have to uh, access some sort of memory or emotion that would kickstart that feeling that I could bring to whatever I was doing. Now, was that hard? Not once I figured out how to do it. Um, it was necessary. I mean, mm -hmm. I'll tell you, okay... Here's how great it was. I'm 71 years old. They're all in their mid-20s. We have this uh, class, and then every day we have a three-hour rehearsal at somebody else's house. And as I went out there, I had a temporary bridge that was going to be made permanent when I got back to Chicago. And it started to come out. And it, was, it started to come out in the middle of a scene that I was doing. 
And I tried to sort of like cover it up and nobody said anything. And then two days later, I was at a rehearsal and a young actress by the name of Margot Graff says to me, you know, Jen, I want to tell you something. You know, we all, we saw that you were having trouble with your mm -hmm. teeth. We want you to know that this is a safe place. And don't worry about that. And not only that, but you could use it. Hmm. I said, I could use it? She said, yeah. I mean, you know, just there was some part it. that, yeah. who yeah. knows? Yeah. You know, yeah. and you know what it feels like to have your teeth fall out in front of people. And I'm like, man. To me, that was a very significant <laughs> comment from a very young person uh -huh. as to what this was all about. And uh, that meant a lot to me. Yeah. My, my teeth, by the way, are staying in now. <laughs> <laughs> but have you noticed Howard's are falling out? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, was, speaking, uh, I didn't want to tell him. But. Speaking of that, uh, in New York City, Warner Wolf was a huge sportscaster, yeah. WABC TV yes. for yes. years. Yes. You may have seen the clip. It's on YouTube. It is he, he was doing the sports one night and got toward the end yeah. of it, and his teeth fell out. Yes. Boom. Hit the desk. So he wrapped up and made a joke about it. The next night, he brought, at the end of it, he brought out those, you know, those fake ones that clack and sat it on the desk. And, I mean, it was probably the biggest thing that ever happened to right. him because he, you know, people, people will never forget that. They oh, don't sure. forget other things he said when he did Yankees highlights. But right. But they won't forget used that. It, used it and went on. Right. And and don't take yourself too seriously. Yes. And have self-deprecating humor. Yes. And, and don't get embarrassed over right, anything. Right. A couple things you were talking about with truth and, and right. finding things like and what's funny you know joe pesci to me for instance is funny when he's not trying to be funny exactly when yeah. he's in comedies where the intention is to be wacky i don't find him funny but right. i can look at a scene in goodfellas and it can be so intense and his his yeah. performance so good i start to smile right because there's so much truth in it and he's he's just being real, and, and he's just using what he's got, who he is. And to hear you talk about how, you know, you tap into that, right? And how I mean, I how just touched the scratched the surface of yeah. that. But yeah. I talked I've talked to Amy a couple of times about how actors access emotions, how some can cry on mm -hmm. cue, uh, some don't think it's important. There's a thing called a tear stick, apparently. Yes, Where, right. Sure. You know, they just basically water paint, your eyes. Water your eyes. Yes. Um, and then there's some guys like I read where Spencer Tracy, one of the all-time biggest, uh, you know, uh, actors in the country forever, uh, looked up to and mm -hmm. modeled after. And he said that, uh, you know, you look at some of his work in films and he's looking down. You know, he's looking down and he looks up and gives a... A line or two that seems poignant and straight from the heart, and then you know, walk and look down again and sort of look up. And I started noticing that in a couple of his movies. And they say, you know what he was doing? He was looking down, make sure he's hitting the mark. <laughs> well, <laughs> and that's then, the and then right. He said, if I know where I got to be, that's half the battle. Right. Knowing where I got to be, and then the rest will take care of itself. Well, they have to land where they're supposed to be because of the camera shots and the focus. Sure. Yeah. So all of these things are going through um, his mind, I'm yeah. guessing, at the same time. Yes. The character, the line, where I am, where's the mark, what are they doing? And then it has to seem natural. So, uh, yeah. John, that. you've been 
uh, very generous with your time. And as I said, you were one of the influences in uh, you know my life getting into broadcasting. So I have to ask you uh, one final thing, and that is uh, Boogie Check. Yes. From WLS. Yes. Uh, that you did in the evenings when you're working mm-hmm. six to ten, I mm-hmm. think, right? Right. That's right. Uh, how did that come to be? I loved it. Never missed it. Mm-hmm. How did you think of it? And could you explain to the younger folks that are listening? Because we have a huge, we have a huge audience of younger people. I know. Now, so. I, I will try okay. to do this. <clears throat> As I mentioned, uh, there was a reference earlier to uh, the radio station playing music, and I said we played the music over and over, same yeah. songs yeah. over and over and over and over again, and we did. And I, I, I was very bored. I, I was, I'd had it. You know, this uh, it's got to be something else mm-hmm. to do other than this thing, and, and playing the same records over and over again. And uh, the slang expression, let's boogie, was around at the time. And uh, my competitor over at WCFL had sort of co-opted that as his catchphrase, let's boogie. And one night, without any preparation, without any forethought, without any meaning whatsoever (laughs) behind it, I decided to call something boogie check, where I would check people's boogie, whatever the hell that meant. <laughs> I didn't know, and I just put phone calls on the air. Yes, bang, and that was it. <laughs> and and an example would, of a boogie that was check. It. The, the, somebody that, would it just it, it became a brand name more than a <laughs> than an actual. The, I never checked anybody's boogie. What, <laughs> what, what, I don't even know how to do that. Even if somebody asked me to, but. It turned into this rapid-fire, live, yes. let's call it a talk show, for lack of a better term, that lasted for about two minutes, where I would take live phone calls from listeners who, at that time, were predominantly teenagers, mm-hmm. and respond to whatever they threw at me. And this became a huge deal. It sure did. It, one of the reasons it became a huge deal is because I think... Number one, no one had ever done anything like that before, certainly not within the context of a top 40 AM rock station. Mm-hmm. I mean, you heard dedications, you heard requests, but nobody just went to the phone and just, you talking to me? <laughs> well, you talking check, about it? Boing, 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 boing. Yeah. It's not and the safest thing to do either. Who knows well, what there was no get, delay right? at the time. Oh, really? Yeah. When everybody found out that the big F went over the air a few times, and after that happened, it really took off. Uh, <laughs> The now sta- you got to show. <laughs> <laughs> then the station had to come up with a delay system, obviously. But it, it, um, it was a rapid fire back and forth, one liner upon one liner, semi insult. My ability to uh, ad lib, as it turned out, uh, this was a perfect fit for my mental state. I didn't know it at the time, but this was something that played into the way that I thought. Like a, it just fit me like a glove. I don't know why, but bang, 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 bang. Then it became a big deal, and uh, jingles were recorded. And I was doing a uh, high school team of the week assembly program in Addison Trail High School, and I carried a tape recorder with me. And as I was walking across the gym floor, the spontaneous cheer went up from the gymnasium of boogie check, boogie check, ooh ah, boogie check, boogie check, ooh ah. <laughs> So I stopped them all and said, I'm going to record that now. Please do it again, Uh which they did. And I played that at the beginning of every 
episode of Boogie Check right. from then on. Right. There's a certain couple of people on Facebook who are Budicheg, the guy from South Bend. Yeah, right. Supporters, and every once in a while you'll see Budicheg, Budicheg, oh, ooh, ah. Really? Oh, yeah. oh, that's unbelievable. You can't have that's nothing without people. Fantastic. How about that? <laughs> well, hey, look, uh, I just want to mention, too. <laughs> too uh, but you, you know what? It's really hard to explain. You know, you'd have to be there, I think. I was there. Yeah. I was one of those kids. And he's kept his boogie in check for years. <laughs> records, I've checked a couple boogies. Look, Records truly is my middle name. Mm-hmm. The book that really tells a lot of, uh, oh, tells yes. the thing, right? All, tells those, the story. all of the things that we've mentioned are probably in there and maybe more. Well, I'm sure there's more. Oh, there's more. I've been flipping through it. And um, uh, available for everybody, right? Yeah. Eckhart's yeah. Press. Okay. Dot com. And there is, I hope, still a expanded, expanded version on Amazon, which okay. is, uh, you know, digital. As we close, is there anything that we should have asked you that we didn't? No. No. Is there I, anything that I forgot that I... <laughs> I'll let you know if I remember. No. I... No. <laughs> I don't know of any question. Uh, did you enjoy this? Yeah. Well, I was. I think, watched you guys all the time. Right. Yeah. Do you think we have a chance at this thing? Yeah, absolutely. I expect, why like not? I, like I expect you to say no. No, Tony. but why not? I, <laughs> whatever. Sure. You seem sincere, but, I, but uh, you know, I don't know. Because but you guys have a natural chemistry be, with each other. You had it on TV. You got it now. Yeah. But you're an actor, so I, I don't know. What, oh, no, we're I, really thinking that. Yeah. But I'm not. You're a good actor. Not now. I'm not acting now. You're not right now. All right. I'm an actor. We're going to wrap. All right. We're and gonna... before we stop, too, yes. I have to give uh, John, uh, I'm serious. I'm giving him my phone number. It's 847. Well, I'll give you the rest. All right. Uh, because uh, th- this acting yeah. thing, this multifaceted thing, I, I want to ask you more about books and writing, the, uh, you know, writing the book itself and screenplay writing. Well, You've got a lot of stuff to do. It was not a successful screenplay, so don't ask me. <laughs> But, and, well, but it's there, and it's accomplished, and it's done. The, pro- and it's, yeah. the process. Right. You did it. Yeah, and I, I think that's an accomplishment in itself. Do you know what I do with my life? Once a week, I come over here belching, waiting for Howard to show up and sit in the microphone. <laughs> and I want to be more motivated. Heads to the IHOP. Yeah, yes. That's, that's just life And right go now. home all gassed up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, you come in, in all many ways. Up. In many ways. Uh, last yeah. thing, not that anybody cares what I'm going to do in my life, which is actually what is all social media is, is telling people what you're doing in your life. But see if you can guess what I'm going to do. A, go out to lunch with a friend. B, go buy some clothing. C, I have a doctor's appointment. Or D, get a tattoo. What one of those four things do you both think of that, that, yeah, either one of you, All what right. do you think out of those four things? Let John go first. Well, Not, the most ridiculous one would be get a tattoo, so I'll go with that. Okay, Steve? Uh, I <laughs> Have you seen how he's dressed? I think the most ridiculous thing is get some clothing. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll go with get some clothing. John wins. Really? I'm going to get a tattoo. Of what? I'm not going to say yet. And where? I'm not going to answer that either. I'm going to record it, and I'm going to post it. But you know what? I figure 
You're 71? Yes. Steve, well, 72 you're now. 69. 72. Steve, you're 78. <laughs> See, he is so funny. 60, 69? Can, yes. I'm 63. Yeah. I've waited 63 years. I, I need to get a tattoo. Good enough. Right on. So I'll let you know get what it. it is when I get it, okay? Yeah. Now, can we... All right. Now, he loves to play these ABC games. All right. So when you get the tattoo... You know the show's over. That's okay. Okay. Uh, when you when you get the tattoo, will we a be able to see it? Yes. Uh, without yes. Yes. you doing much yes. work, yes. it's a tramp stamp. Yes. <laughs> Kelsey, Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> b. Do you think it? Do you already know how much it will cost, or do you think you will be? It no, depends know, on what I you get. I know the ballpark. Is okay. it a complicated tattoo no, with colors? It, and no, it's simple. It's uh, simple. Yeah. It's inspirational. <laughs> So I'll let you know about really? it. Really? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, you want to go? No. Do you have any tattoos? Uh, no, I have scars, <laughs> but I don't have any tattoos. Do you have any tattoos, John? I have one. You do? Uh-huh. Okay, see? Steve, do you want to get? Do you want to uh, go? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I, I get, it's a two-for-one today, Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, I it's don't two-for-Tuesday Tuesday over at the tattoo place. <laughs> yeah. Tattoo two-for-Tuesday. Yeah. Any, <laughs> any two-for-tattoo parlor, I'm, I'm going to pass on that for right now. Okay. But first of all, I should say, first of all, for anybody who says, the plane, boss, the plane, it's a two-for-Tuesday <laughs> tattoo. Right. At the tattoo, get a tattoo parlor. Okay. <laughs> Got to go now. John, thank you very much. Thank you, guys. You were fantastic. Yeah, great I appreciate it. It was so terrific. Much to visit with you. You were a riveting guest as far as I'm concerned and the first person and I mean that because I'm not an actor although I want to be. Um, you're the first person on Back to You that used the F word. So well, now, I asked first. Yeah, but he did. He did. He did. And I was quoting someone else. Now huh? that now that you've opened it up, but you've only wait, oh, well, wait, 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 wait. You can only use one of the seven famous words. All right. A special thanks to today's engineer Samuel Greenberg. Yay, Samuel. Executive producer Tony Lasano with OpiShows.com. Opi is hippo, spelled backwards. OpiShows.com. Distributed by Ed Silha. Do you, you still, Steve tells me he does, he's not I don't, sure. I've never exists. seen this guy, Ed. <laughs> I don't know who that is. He comes up with this guy, with, Ed, with radio at the end Misfits. of every show. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. That should do it. John Landerker, thank you, Steve. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And yes, John's uh, rec- Records <laughs> truly is my middle name is his book. I want to say that one more time because I think it's going to be well worth it to get it. I, I John, don't think you're leaving because this is only the part one of oh, our discussion. You take a whole month in advance? <laughs> uh, so long, everybody. See ya. Thank you. Goodbye. John Landecker at WLS. Uh, I have to apologize for something I've done. Last night, I shot Boogie Check. And I wish I could take it back. John. Uh, yeah? Uh, those bullets were blank. Those bullets were blank. You mean... You mean alive? It's alive! It's alive! This changes everything! Negatory Big Ben.
give you my last boogie check. Yeah, what's your third sport? I don't have any favorite sport. How about baseball? Baseball, lovely sport. WLS, Spooky Check. Hey, John, this is Yogi saying goodbye to you. Hey, creativity, creativity, I got creativity on my radio. Lord, Lord. Are you talking to me? Yeah, I want to know where you live. In Chicago. Where in Chicago? Why do you want to know? I want to send you a letter. What kind of letter? Right, the kind that explodes. Are you talking to me? I have a collect call from John Stevens. Will you pay for the call? Absolutely not. That's... Thank you. Are you talking to me? Yes, I am. Is that anybody say hello? Good evening, John. Say, who are you saying hello to tonight? Good evening, Skokie. Skokie. Hey. Well, what a controversial suburb. Are you talking to me? Yes, I am. About what? What's your favorite rock group? A stalactite. What's that? Stalactite. Mammoth Caves, Kentucky. Are you talking to me? I sure am. About what? That sexy voice you have? What about it? It sounds good. Well, how old are you? 38. I guess it would. The proceeding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? Be sure to tune in to Free Kicks with Adam and Rick. Our podcast highlights the best soccer league in the world. The English Premier League. We recap the previous week's games. And preview the upcoming games. I do it from an American point of view. And I do it as an authentic Brit, accent and all. That's authentic, right, Governor? Not exactly how I say it. (laughs) We also talk about the local soccer scene because Adam is the Illinois Youth Director of Coaching. If you love soccer. Football. Football. Tune in to Free Kicks. New episodes drop weekly. On the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, it's a special guest talking about the road that car guys dream about, the tale of the dragon, plus tips on automotive detailing. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and my special guest for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Is this over? Yes. <laughs>